Welcome to People's Church Podcast. You know, whenever I prepare these messages, I'm always going through my own, uh, what can I say, learnings from the Lord and applications into my own life. So, you know, sometimes some of them really are deeply challenging to me long before they re- you're, you're receiving them out there. This is one of those. This is one of those because I, God has called us to live such a big life. And sometimes what we do with life is we just kind of let it settle. And we're always looking for that little comfortable routine. I think this time that we're kind of focusing on the coming up to Easter, to recognize in this time that God really has nothing but big pictures for us. Jesus Christ came so that we might live life to the full. He came so we might be part of the game that lasts forever, which is his kingdom and his family. He came for the big things, for your life. And uh, sometimes we just let life dwindle down to just small things and we're not really in touch with all that God would want to do in and through our lives. So I want to challenge you today a little bit along this pathway of uh, letting God lead you into some more challenging paths in life. You can imagine what it was like for Jesus knowing that just within weeks he was going to literally be crucified, a very horrendous way to be put to death, uh, executed. It was uh, meant to last a long time. It was meant to exact the most physical and emotional punishment possible. Um, And Jesus recognized that that was coming. In fact, he actually told his disciples this on a few occasions, distinctly, not just in the weeks prior to what we call Easter or, in this sense, Good Friday, when Jesus Christ allowed himself to be killed on a cross, when he literally yielded his life. That was the beginning of our own resurrection. That was the beginning of our own new life, the opportunity life, that which has boundaries that are stripped away. There's one thing the message of the crucifixion and resurrection gives us, is that God has stripped away the boundaries that seem to have us so locked. That death is final. That death is the big deal. You got to grab it here. This is all you get in life. Whereas he brought a whole thing and saying, no, your life is out of me. And I have purpose and design. And this life is a big life. And it also is eternal because of Christ. There's just such big messages in the Christian faith that it's sometimes hard to wrestle into our daily lives. We're going to try and do that a little bit today. I don't, how many here are, like I, I, I kind of have done this before because I kind of like this series because I just like this series, The Lord of the Rings. How many here are Lord of the Rings fans? You, I know Peter, you and I, right? Like we like Lord, Lord of the Rings. It's just uh, fantastic uh, books and uh, certainly uh, tremendous uh, when it comes to uh, the movie, um, the original. In the second movie, they reflect upon a scene from the first, and as they start out the second movie, and it's a scene where uh, Gandalf you know, is stopped at a, at a little wooden, well not wooden, rock bridge between, with, a, with, a, with, a, with an endless drop, and all of his fellow journey, journeyers have already gone past, and he's the last one, and there's this kind of giant demon kind of guy that is chasing them down. And he says something really phenomenal. He takes his staff and he puts it, bang, hits it right there and he talks about that the, the, the darkness the, does not have effect upon the light in his that he carried. And then he said this, you shall not pass. And that's what I've entitled today's message, you shall not pass. God asks things for you to take very strong stands in. He's got things that he wants you to be that person that's standing in the gap. In fact, in Isaiah, he kind of seeks it out and he, he asks, who will stand in the gap for me? Who will stand like that and say you shall not pass? Because if it gets past you, well, then there's your family, then there's your friends. Then there is all of the things that God 
has going to be putting into your stewardship. He wants you to be a guardian, a protector. He wants you to be a person of faith that believes in the big picture. Um, Gandalf is called Gandalf the Grey in this scene. And then after this, his whole title changes and something has happened to him and he's grown. And he's now called Gandalf the White. And there is this transition that is transformation that has taken place in him. I, I don't know if you've ever seen your life the way that maybe as clearly as you need to about you're up against bigger things than you. That that is actually intentional, that that is exactly what God wants you to live like, that this is sort of the norm, that God wants you to be taking on things bigger than you and you say, oh, I think I'm doing that and I think I'm not even working or like trying to bring that happen, it just comes. You're right, it does. It just comes. A lot of what comes at us in life is a lot bigger than us. It's larger in every way. And the enemy often is behind some of those things. Sometimes it's not even things that you have decided, but things have just come into your life. You didn't have control of it. It was just bigger than you. It puts you into a place where you don't seem to be adequate for the challenge. You don't seem to be enough for what needs to happen. It may be in a parenting role. It might be in a marriage role. It might be in an economic role. It might be in a health role. It can be in your mind. It can be different things in life that you just know, this is way bigger than me. This is how life is. But you and I have an opportunity to be able to respond to that differently. We can take it on and stop the advance. We can take it on with a warlikeness about us, but it takes a certain type of faith and response. And so I have chosen a scripture that where Jesus literally teaches his disciples this lesson that I want you to get. He's saying, I want you guys to get. He's training them for leadership, folks. He knows they're gonna carry the gospel around the known world. They are the seedbed for everything that's gonna follow, that he's gonna build his church family throughout the globe. These guys are the key elements in that. The Bible says that they are the foundation of the church. And he's saying, guys, I wanna teach you this lesson that you need to be willing to see things differently than you do right now. So we're gonna jo jump into a story where Jesus fed 5,000 men besides women or children that were gathered. Now we start in the book of John 6 and we start with this scripture. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, I don't know why he chose Philip, I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he chose you for what he chose you for. But he chooses Philip. And he says, Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now that's an interesting question. He's asking Philip to assess the situation and come up with an answer. He was testing Philip. Note that word. He was testing him. For he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He already knew the answer. He already knew exactly what his next move was going to be. But he says, I am testing you. He didn't tell him that. But he says, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? You know, we're going to learn three lessons this morning about taking on things larger than you. Things where you don't feel adequate. Things that seem to literally, in most cases, make people cower and run and that's the only option. To hide and avoid and rather than take it on in a very strong way in faith that God has, is giving you and that he will be with you. Let me teach you three lessons on this. First, let's look at the measuring tape lesson. Here's how we often approach life. As we approach every challenge according to only our own abilities. We do the quick inventory in our own abilities. It might be an economic challenge. You take and you do your inventory, you do your assessment, and you find out, oh, we're coming well short of that challenge. Uh, maybe it's a health challenge, whatever, a relational challenge. Something that is bigger than you and it's obviously bigger than you. 
You do not measure a problem or challenge according to your own abilities. That is what we normally will do. Then all that has to happen is that you have to be outstripped by something like we see on that screen. And then we've got one option, run, hide. Get away from the situation. We're not conquerors, we're not protectors, we're not even protecting those that are behind us. We're just kind of reacting in fear. And in this particular story, Philip is confronted with something well beyond his abilities. I mean, 5,000 men besides the women and children easily could have been 15,000 plus people on that hillside that day, just off of the Sea of Galilee. I want you to imagine the moment of that question coming to Philip. I mean, there is not a McDonald's down the road. You know what I'm talking about? There is not, a, you know, any fast food joint. They are standing in a situation where he has no answer for this. He just can assess his own abilities. He can assess his situation. And all that he can see is, this is the craziest objective you could possibly bring our way. Why would you even have this objective of feeding them? Let's just cut the, 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 the teach really short, send them off. It was Jesus himself that said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every mouth that cometh from the word of God. Philip would have ended that right there and said, Ooh, okay, right now we need to just, in reality, in every practical sense, we need to just release them and let them go. No, they really needed the words that Jesus would speak. And these disciples needed this lesson. The lesson that says you've got a measuring tape all the time just riding in your side pocket. You know what I'm talking about, guys? It's right here. And when you need it, you pull it out and you measure every challenge that comes your way. And you, find, you discover whether that's going to be big, you're big enough to meet it or whether you're not big enough to meet it. And that is what we tend to do. Now, Jesus just absolutely loves, he absolutely loves the hard and even impossible circumstances because they provide a perfect test, a perfect test. Here's what Philip replied. He said, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. He's saying, if I do the math, Lord, we end up way short. Number one, we don't have months to work to provide the lunch. And it would require working for many, many months just to provide a lunch. Sounds rational. Sounds very rational. You know, if you're going to be a bit of a visionary leader in your home, a visionary leader in what you do, if you're going to have vision lead your life in any way or any shape or any form, if vision is going to lead your life, you're going to sound at times impractical. It's going to sound like you, like you just aren't grounded enough. You're going to have to believe for things that don't seem absolutely rational in that moment. You know, we often say this about visionary leaders. We often say, well, you know, they just don't have their feet on the ground. They got their heads, you know, in the clouds. These are people that don't really, they're not pragmatic enough. Sometimes pragmatism needs to be rooted in vision because faith is the alternative that God requires for the best pictures of your life, of your relationship, of every role that you carry, whether it be your parenting, whether it be in a marriage, whether it be as business, whether it be in your profession, no matter what it is, he has the best pictures. He doesn't just have a good life, he has the better life. And if you don't have clear pictures about that better life, then you really need to really take a look at how pragmatism in your own life might be killing the best. Let's move into this. Listen to this. Jesus never tests us to grade us. Never. He tests us to grow us. He already knows what you'd fill in on that test questionnaire. He already knows what you're going to put in the blank. He already knows every answer that you would put in. He's not testing you to grade you. He's testing you to grow you. He's testing you to take you from gray to white. He's testing you to take you, you know, into another realm to, to understand how faith can function. 
There's two things about Jesus that you've got to come to terms with and learn and really be uh, knowledgeable about. It's very, really quite simple though, is how Jesus works, how he works, and who Jesus is. Those two items are extremely important for us as believers. How does he work? Well, he works like he does right here. He tests us. He tests us to see if we're willing to step outside comfort zones, outside pre-concluded ideas. How he, He's going to test you to see if you're going to be completely inflexible to movement from your plan to his. He's going to test you. That's how he works. He, he tests you not to grade you. He tests you to grow you. He wants to take you into a realm where the best pictures can emerge for your life. But that will require a faith that grows. It will require a faith that you actually make the decision. Uh, this is going to sound impractical, but here's what I'm really trusting God for here. Impossible situations, he loves them. Here's why he loves them. Because he uses them to stretch our undeveloped faith. To stretch our undeveloped faith. You have, you have different gifts in your life. You'd have to, if you did an inventory, you'd say, well, this, is, this could be developed more. I could develop this gift more. I mean, that's growth in life, right? You grow in your skills. You grow in these things because you understand I'm a little under, underdeveloped there. I could develop more. It is no different with your faith. He uses these tests to take you and stretch your underdeveloped faith. He says it's underdeveloped for what? For the future. Because you can't be Gandalf the gray. You're going to have to be Gandalf the white. And so we're going to take on this monster of a problem you got. And we're going to take it on full bear. I want you to get an attitude of you shall not pass. You're not getting past me uh, to what's behind me. You're not getting past me. He wants you to get a little tougher in these things so that he can make you stronger. Impossible situations strengthen our eternal hope. How do they do that? Well, simply because they take you beyond the world that just is. It takes you beyond just the struggle of that 24-hour daily routine. You get up, you go work, you, you stay in the zone, you know what you're doing in most cases, and you make sure that if anything is exceeding what you do, you just measure it, you figure it out, and you pass it off or move away from it. It takes you into a world where instead of it just being a secular drive in life, you now have an eternal home that you know you're going to and a life that's much bigger because of that, that a call and that you have purpose that far exceeds your abilities, that he has called you into the bigger world. It also, impossible situations show his incredible love because when you go through an impossible situation and the pain is high, Pain is often high in impossible situations. That's why it grows us. But when the pain is high in that, he walks with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The idea behind that is that he's constantly lovingly caring, guiding. He will support you, but he wants you to grow. He's not there to insulate you from growth. He's there to cause you to grow. He's there to use situations. So when he came to Philip and said, hey, Philip, give me an answer. Where are we going to find food? Where are we going to get food on this, man? You know, God has asked you to be a certain type of person in the roles that you carry. Where are you going to get that from? Where's that going to come from? It's going to come from God growing you through tests, not grading you, growing you. Second lesson, the weigh scales lesson. This is an interesting part of this particular story because it's in John 6, 8, and 9, it says, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Now, but here's the, here's the phrase, catch the phrase. But what good is that with this huge crowd? That's the scales, the balance, right? What good is that? You want us to feed all these people? Whoa, if I put that little, you know, few barley loaves and fish on here, that doesn't even register. 
That is how you and I often process things also. That verse, when it says, what good is that with this huge crowd? What good is this in this mess? What good is it for me to pray in this mess? What good is it for me to get counsel here? What good is it for me to continue to fight for this? What good is it for me to put down the staff and say, enough, no more? What good is it for me? That is just somebody looking at the scale and saying, it doesn't make any difference. Oh, you have to pass this test. Because little in the hands of Jesus becomes much. Just a little. Just, just a little. See, it wasn't that Jesus needed these disciples to put everything up on that scale. They didn't need to go and get all of the portions for every man, woman, and child on that hillside that day. They didn't need to be a part of that. They just needed to go and bring what they had. That's a hard thing. Because you and I always own outcomes first. And we see failure and the risk of failure more than we see the opportunities for maybe success or for better things. We tend to always start with the most negative situation and there look at it and say, this is all we got. <laughs> Can you believe it? Nobody brought any lunch to this thing. Jesus responded in John 6, 10 through 11 and said, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. And all of them, the approximate count of the men only was 5,000, sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God. Can you imagine the disciples during this prayer? <laughs> he takes these few loaves and fish and he's giving thanks to God, to the Father. He's giving thanks for this provision. And can you imagine what's going through the disciples' minds? They're thinking, this is crazy. This is nuts. This is riot time. This is going to be craziness. Get, get ready to get Jesus out of here quick because the people will riot. Think about what's going on in their heads. And he's giving thanks to the Father for this little lunch. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and passed them out to the people. And afterwards he did the same with the fish. And then this funny statement. And everyone ate until full. One of the uh, my grandchildren's favorite movie when they were just young was, was uh, Hook. You know, you know that movie, Hook? And you know the Lost Boys and all of that now and, and, and they had the food fight. Remember the food fight? It was imaginary food, right? Just imaginary food. It wasn't imaginary food. It filled them up. All of a sudden, multiplication takes place. What is he trying to teach these future leaders, these men that are going to be the world changers? What is he trying to teach them? If they're going to be taking on the world and the gospel going into it, they cannot see themselves as the resource. They cannot look at things and say, it's not enough. It do doesn't make a difference. They've got to have a different approach to what the call of God is on their life. And so do you. You cannot achieve all that God wants you to as a father or a mother or, or, or a daughter or a son or a sibling. You cannot achieve all, all that God has for you in your profession or what you do, your skills. You can't achieve all that he would have for you. It's going to take something more than just the measuring and the balance. It's going to take faith. They didn't have any right now. 
But this isn't a new thing in Scripture. This is all through Scriptures. Just about every biography has this point made. The world of God is far bigger than mine. The world of Christ's work in me and through me is far larger than anything I have in my resource now. It's way beyond me. It's never been given to me because it fit me. It's given to me so that he can make me. In Judges chapter 7, is told the story of Gideon. And in verse 7 there, he's, he's collected 32,000 you know, men for, to go and fight the Midianites who are about 70,000, but at least he got 32. And here's what happens. Here's what God does. He, God is speaking to Gideon. He says, I'll conquer the Midianites with 300. He says, send all the others home. Send them all home. 300. Send them all home. I'll leave you with 300. That's, that's really a strong reduction. All of a sudden, it went from, hey, this is really possible. Like, that's not bad on the scales. You know, we're 50% of them, but with the right strategies and with the right move and with the right weapons and the right surprise, we can, we can get this done. And then it goes instead into a, into a realm where it's, this is craziness. It's impossible. So they're all sent home, 300, and, and the story ends up, 300, take them all out. Then we find another one, well known by you, in David. It says David, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 50, so David defeated the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. He did not even have a sword in his hand. He did not even have a sword in his hand. He had to use Goliath to finish him up. He turned down Saul's armor. This, this, this is a giant of a man, a warrior. And, and David goes up, goes up against him with just this little thing, you know. I mean, a sling and a stone. See, we, we, we think God really needs our massive abilities. That God really needs, you know, that, that we need to bring all the strength to the fight. No, we just have to bring faith. We have to bring that faith that says, you shall not pass. You're not getting past me. God, give me the strength to stand here right now. It's not getting past me. So how does God do this? How does he turn little into much? And why does he do this? What is this thing? Last week we talked about that our lives are often turning the common into the sacred. How does that happen? Well, we've got a thing right here. God reduces our resources. He did that with Gideon. He does that with David. He goes in with minimum. And here we find it also with these men. They're down to just a few loaves and a few fish. That's what they got. They didn't understand the power of what they had and they certainly weren't in touch with how Jesus works and they were really missing who Jesus is. Do you know how Jesus works? He doesn't test you out and say, oh, you've got this, okay, let's match that. Okay, yeah, okay, here's the size of your challenge. No. He grows you. He makes you into what he wants you to be when you are willing to accept his challenge, accept the challenge of the giants, accept the challenge of the Midianites, accept the challenge of feeding things way beyond your resource. God reduces our resources. Why would God reduce our resources? Your resources could never, it, it's the most sensible thing to do. Your resources would never be enough anyway. Never would be. All you, your resources will do is make you smaller. Would you catch that? All that our resources do is make us smaller. Because now we can measure out the challenge to only what our resources are. And God is saying, I want you to be so 
much bigger. God magnifies our need. I mean, the odds. How do we need God? How much do I need you, God? You might be in a situation right now where you feel inadequate against a, a, a huge challenge in your life, no matter what category. And you're going to feel very inadequate before that. That's good. Because my inadequacies are going to force me into an honest assessment of faith in my response. And God is magnifying the need, the difference between what I have and what the need is. It's huge. I can't overcome this. I've tried. Well, in the try, learn that you can't overcome it. That you need to know how Jesus works and who Jesus is. We trust God with what little we have. So first he reduces our resources. God magnifies our need. We trust God with what little we have. Uh, all we could find in this entire crowd was a couple of fish and some few loaves of barley. So, you know, that's what we got. So yeah, I guess your plan, Jesus, to feed them all lunch is kaputi, send them away. Send them away hungry, send them away. Your plan for my life it, in this moment doesn't work, Jesus. Sorry, don't have enough to do it. I don't have enough to rebuild this. I don't have enough to restart this. I don't have enough to get out of bed and fight this. I don't have enough. So I guess your plan for that just won't work. We trust God with what little we have. And then God uses the little we have to show how great he is. And Jesus just keeps breaking fish. And bread. And the people just keep eating. And it doesn't, it doesn't say that you ate a little bit to tide them over to the next. It means that they ate and they were full. Sardine heaven. Has anybody here ever have a sandwich called sardines and nice sweet onion slicing? You just put that on bread and do that. Has anybody ever had that? I love that. I tried to sell it to my grandson one day. Didn't work. It's an acquired taste. It's, the good thing about that sandwich, it hangs around for a long time. In more ways than you know. This, they were full, it was going to hang around a while. He's got it for you. He wants to show how great he is to you. But as long as you're looking at his plan through your lens of your own resources, it'll never be enough to forgive like that. It'll never be enough to let go of this or take up this challenge or to take the staff and make the plans. Lesson number three, the ledger sheet. Everybody knows what a ledger, credits and debits. Every encounter with a problem or challenge can bring increase, folks. If you're up against a challenge or problems, that's, that's actually the opportunity to grow. That's actually opportunity for things to grow. It, it is actually within that realm, that problem and that encounter, that the best growth can happen and increase can take place. In John 6, 12, through 13 it says after everyone was full after so they're done eating Jesus told his disciples now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted so they picked up the pieces and they filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves and the fish right so it's not interesting how many 12 
How many disciples? They got a basket apiece. <coughs> they got a basket apiece. It's like, hey, you get a full basket here. You know, when you get involved in the bigger pictures for your life, his, and you're developing your faith, you're letting that happen in your life, you're encouraging that, you're working your faith, you're working your faith. You don't get left out. They get a whole basket. And finally in Mark 6, 51 to 52, referring to the very same thing that's happened. What has happened is they finish their dinner. Everybody is sent away. Jesus says, guys, uh, I'm going to go up into the hills. I'm going to go pray. Go across the lake. Sea, sea of Galilee. They get in the boat. They're rowing across the lake. It's been a long day. Four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. They're rowing across the lake. And they see Jesus walking on the water. Well, they didn't know it was Jesus. And they get all scared. Really scared. Really, really scared. They think they're seeing like an apparition, like a ghost. They, they think they're seeing something that's really a big threat to them. And so what happens is that they, they get really scared. Here's what the scripture says. And he climbed aboard the boat with them and the wind dropped. There had been a storm that was brewing. But they were scared out of their wits. These are, these are guys that just, these are guys that just ate a basket full of bread left over from feeding thousands and thousands of people from a few loaves and fish. Like they, they, they just had this amazing experience. And here they are, they're scared out of their wits. And then listen to this. They had not had the sense to learn the lesson of the loaves. The lesson of the loaves. That's a good thing to put on this. The lesson of the loaves. Even that miracle had not opened their eyes to see who he was. Two things you got to know. How he works, he's going to test you. He only works by your faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You got to take on the road to, to some cost paying for the future. You got to be willing to be the last one on the bridge to say, no, that's enough. You're not getting by me. You got you to live a life of greater pictures. You, God has bigger pictures for you. You think it's good now. You, there is a better life. He's got greater and better things for you. You think you can't turn around the things that are there. Well, you can't, but you can certainly know how he works and he's put you in a test. A test. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's meant to be. But now know who he is. See, if you won't know who he is, then you'll never see how he works. This is our Lord. This is Jesus. The ledger sheet tells you very clearly that when it comes down to life, he is always going to look after the right side of the sheet for you. You're always going to have more than enough. You're always going to be supplied. As long as you're willing to trust him. As long as you're willing to have faith. So as we wind this up today. What is it in your life right now that you need to literally trust him with? What greater picture, what greater challenge is there in your life that is proving a test to you? 
What is testing you to the degree that you know that you feel very inadequate and you feel like you're standing amongst thousands and you're sitting there with one little bag lunch and Jesus saying, take it on. This is not a bad place to be because just you know who Jesus is. Jesus is going to stand by you. If you act in faith, he'll respond to you. Our faith doesn't control Jesus. Our faith releases Jesus to be Jesus because we know who he is. And then we learn what he can do. I don't know about you, but in much of my life at times, I've, I've stood, it would seem, with just a little bag lunch, Facing big odds. Too many times to recollect for you this morning. But certainly to say that this process is a process that God is going to use to grow you. He is not grading you. He is not punishing you. He is not trying to hold you back. Only you can do that. But he wants you to understand that you can trust his ledger that he's going to bring you into the greater gain. This is where the best of your life is meant to be lived. And so I, I bring a challenge to you today. These guys are about to enter just in weeks. It's not long. And Jesus is going to be on the cross. They're going to think the world has crashed. They're going to be hiding. And he's called them to be world changers. One of them is going to doubt to such a degree he won't even believe until he touches the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. He, he won't, they, they, until he can see the, the actual wounds, he's not going to believe. And these are the men that are going to change the world. called you to this others will hold you back voices will hold you back there was a man just around this story his name is Bartimaeus he was blind he might have been blind his whole life he's on the side of the road begging he hears a racket as a crowd is walking down the road and he says what's up what's up what's up tell me what's going on Jesus the Nazarene is, is coming along. He's passing by here. And all of a sudden, this guy just starts yelling. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he's yelling it. He's being obnoxious. Well, that's what the people thought because they said, shut up. To which he even just yelled louder. Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. See, he was up against something far bigger than himself. He couldn't change his condition. He was relegated to begging on the side of a road. He couldn't pursue any new professional course. He couldn't even look after himself. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. They keep trying to shut this man down. You're never going to get a lot of people like helping you in a faith journey. I hope you have some because you need them. It's great to have. But this is your big picture. And this is your moment. So Jesus stopped the whole entourage and he says, bring him to me. So Bartimaeus is brought to Jesus, led as a blind man to Jesus. And Jesus says, here's a question to him. What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus says, I want to see 
I want a greater picture. This is the pictures of my life. I want to see. I want, I, I, I want to see bigger than I'm trapped right now. I want to see. I'm really trapped here. I, I want to see. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. How Jesus works, who Jesus is. So what happens on that road? He was calling him Jesus, son of David. That's another way of him saying this. Messiah, Christ, God in the flesh, hear me, have mercy on me. God have mercy, you're God, have mercy on me. He was the one confessing the Messiah. He knew who Jesus was. And then he saw how Jesus works by faith. Where's your faith? Where's your faith, you guys? You have such little faith. It was a big storm, Lord. You, you have little faith. Need some more tests. See, I've called you to be world changers, guys. You got to get these tests. You got to get these tests. Your resource ends here. Your abilities only go so far. But if I've called you to think, if you're pursuing my bigger pictures in life, if you're doing that with faith, you know who I am, then you're going to see who, how I work. You know who I am, you're going to see how I work. You believe in who I am, you're going to see how I work. In the midst of all of the problems, just like that last special we listened to, I will always prize you no matter what. Because I know who you are. Then you'll see him work. Bartimaeus didn't just go back to the side of the road anymore. In fact, his next move is interesting because it says this, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. We're talking about going into the final episode of his walk to the cross. And Bartimaeus just turns and walks with Jesus. He just goes on the journey with him. Where are you going to find greater pictures? I mean, I can understand this thing. Where am I going to find bigger pictures? Where am I going to find anything more adventuresome in life than what I just found? How am I going to find a bigger life than what I've just seen? How am I going to actually live out a better life than I've just been given. How would I ever find a better road to walk than his? Then expect him to test you, to grow you. So that you will know who he is. So that you will see how he works. Would you stand with me, please? As we bow our heads... Maybe just in your mind right now, I'd like you to make a real quick list about something you're facing that's impossible. Might be things in your life that where you've been up against some, 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 some mountain or monster of, of, uh, uh, of economic issues. It might be relational issues. Uh, it could be loss. It could be... You're, you're just up against something so much greater than your ability. Would you quickly make a list just within your own mind? This is I cannot do list. I cannot change their minds, Lord. I need you. I cannot change this condition, Lord. 
I need you. I cannot change this addiction, Lord. I need you. I cannot change this brokenness, Lord. I need you. That I cannot list is one that we should fill out on a regular basis because that's the list you give to the Lord and you simply pray, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I'm a blind man on the side of the road with nothing for my future. I need you. I need you. Father, hear that cry in hearts around impossible situations. Things that, yes, are tests for us. A test, do we really know who you are? A test, are we willing to really see how you work? Are we willing to have faith so that you can work? Lord, as we utter these prayers out of our hearts to you around our own impossible situations, I pray that, Lord, that there will be a new resurgence of faith and trust and we will move away from the measuring tape, from the scale, the balance. We will move away even from the ledger. We will move away from those measurements and be done with them and instead just look to you and acknowledge this is bigger than me. I cannot do it, but I will put my staff down. I will plant myself. It's not coming past me. Lord, I plant my faith on this now. So deliver me from it. Help me in it. Carry me through it. I need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.